Hello, and welcome to the Texas Hill Country Market Update brought to you by the Texas Hill Country Advisors. That would be myself, Andrew Gay, and Mr. Gilbert Pies. Hello, Gilbert. Hello there, Andrew. Good afternoon. How are we doing? Good afternoon, sir. We uh, are doing a special edition today, not morning. I heard you kept the morning market minute out of the title there. Yes. Good Good work. Yes, yes. So um, we are concluding the meeting the press conference from Mr. Jerome Powell after their the Federal Reserve's interest rate decision. Um, so we got a few things to talk about. We wanted to wait till this afternoon to talk to you guys to kind of go over some of that. So we got some market reaction and a few other um, analysts and economists, market participants weighing in on what's going on in the reaction and the result from the interest rate decision from the Fed. Um, so let's jump right to it. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, member of Pacific, Texas Hill Country Advisors, not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of Andrew Gay, Gilbert Pies, and Texas Hill Country Advisors, and not those of Next Financial Group. The S&P 500 is a market cap-weighted index composed of common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. All right, here we go. Um, let me get, so what happened was we got the 75 basis point rate hike, which was expected, okay? Um, but what was more important, or what we thought was more important, and what we've been focusing on is this press conference from Jerome Powell, and I think it's just wrapping up, if not just finished. So um, that is happening right now. And the decision of the interest rate hike was a 75 basis point rate hike. Um, which would bring the federal funds rate to 4%. So you can see that right there, um, the bottom two red items there for Wednesday, which is which is the 1 o'clock and 1.30. And right now the, the Fed is just, or Jerome Powell is just finishing up his press conference. So a lot of things were said. Uh, he kind of, it honestly seemed kind of like a nothing burger. He was kind of reiterating a lot of the stuff that, uh, so they actually come out with a statement uh, and that is released prior to the press conference, and they will quite literally uh, go through there and cross off language, update pieces of sentences that from what where they were at previously as far as what they think, as far as the data goes in the economy, what it's telling them, and where they see the direction of interest rates going. So that is what is happening right now. And then this is you, this is what was happening while Jerome Powell was talking, okay? Over the last 45 minutes or so, so almost an hour since 1.30, what really happened was a shift in some of this. So there were shifts between kind of what was happening as far as the expectation of what where interest rates are going to go uh, in the December and in February meeting. So few things that he said that I think are noteworthy. One was that he mentioned that they have not reached the level that they think is sufficient to cool off the economy or to get to a point where they can start to pivot or soften the rate hikes. Um, they had, uh, what was the other one? We were just talking about one that was, um, he. so they updated part of the language that he hadn't said anything that sounded, it was basically like a bullish take on the language that they updated the statement on because they had not mentioned the idea of softening. That's what it was, was how they, and I can't remember the exact verbiage, but the gist was that they said the pivot's coming, 
and it may be as early as next meeting, but we still don't know. So it doesn't mean for sure or anything like that, but just the fact that, and this is what we, this goes back to our discussion previously about how what we were listening for was any kind of hint of that, right? Because even though we know that going into right here, like December and February's meeting, they're probably not going to do these 75 basis point rate hikes like they did today. But the fact that they had not talked about it up until this point and now come out and said, hey, we might actually start to soften uh, before then, that was that was a new piece of, of language for dialogue. So um, initially, the market reaction was positive. We saw before Jerome Powell came out and started speaking between one o'clock and 1.30, uh, the market actually popped up a good bit, seemed like it was mostly bullish. Um, but right now, I don't think it's held. And so it we, stayed that way for about two minutes. Yeah. And, 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 well, and then, then it was like kind of going back and forth, trying to find the footing. Then he started talking and, and it has continued now to push back down. So um, and you can see some of that, like like in these charts, like look at this, this was the S&P. So just today, if you look at, that was it, that little spike up right there. And then now we, now we went back down. Um, interesting. <laughs> And we're not we're not having a total collapse in the equity market today. No, no, no. We're just no. not having a real sustained rally. And frankly, I think Jerome Powell's commentary was what was expected, but it wasn't sufficiently dovish enough to make the market feel better about the rally continuing on for a few more weeks. Yeah. So um, and it's interesting because the this is kind of like the opposite of what had been happening previously. So like we would hit the negative reaction first, and then after some time, the markets would kind of come back and show like a positive rally. Look at the CPI number, right? That came out October 13th. That was a prime example. Same thing. The initial reaction was super negative during intraday. But then by the end of the day, the markets closed positive and we had a really big rally in October. So this is like so far, you know, we're not even done with the end of the day. We still got a little over half an hour left before the, the markets close for the day. But it just seems so far that that reaction is kind of the opposite of that. We had an initial positive reaction, and now we're kind of slumping back down. It, it was a will. big giant Neh. nothing burger, <laughs> nothing burger. So, so yeah. yeah, we we didn't we didn't get as good uh, news as maybe the market thought. Um, you know, the Jerome Powell certainly the idea that he's even talking about slowing down the pace of rate increases. Um, is is good, and that's what the market expected. But he he didn't say explicitly, we're going to stop raising rates in February, or we're going to do this in the next meeting. He just said that we're going to consider slowing it down, and it might be as soon as the next one. So um, that's okay. Uh, we we're, we're going to have to hang our hat on a couple of other data points that we've been talking about. The that's exactly right. Jobs numbers on Friday, the election next week, and then. CPI that comes out the following week. So that's going to be a biggie. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see what those turn out to be. Yeah. So, so right now we got, we got most of the, most of this out of the way. Like this was a big anticipatory event. Uh, most of the air has kind of been let out of the bubble. We'll see how the market continues to digest that because we have another, you know, we got another half an hour before the market's closed now. And then we got all day tomorrow before Friday when we get the non-farm payroll. So that's right here. That's those two 7.30 a.m. Uh, non-farm payrolls for October. Um, and we've been adding about a little over 250, 250,000 jobs per month um, on average. And and it's interesting to listen to some of this 
commentary too, because if you listen to the press conference from Jerome Powell, uh, they talked about that. And some of the some of the people there were asking questions about that data. You know, one of the other things he said was that they do believe that they want to see inflation numbers come back down before they stop easing up. Because there was someone there that asked the reporter that asked the question and said, can you stop the pace of rate hikes or possibly even cut them independently of what you're seeing seeing in the data. Um, oh, and then the other thing that I wanted to mention too, that was the the little nugget that was in there was the lag, right? Because that was the another thing that uh, there was at least one or two reporters that asked a question about the lag between raising interest rates and its full effect in the economy. And you and I, Gilbert, have talked about this here on the show before, but you know, there's obviously some kind of lag. It's not an immediate overnight effect. Um, and then, you know, we're looking to the to the equity markets here to look at reactions and stuff. And we know how much of a future prediction mechanism that the, the equity markets are. But in this case, the what we're actually talking about is the effect of the Fed raising interest rates and the lag between how long that takes to bleed into all the little pockets of the economy. And the thought was, that's, it takes about 12 to 18 months for it to fully take effect as far as the rate hikes go. And we're only eight months in, right, to the rate hike cycle. So um, and I think lastly, the, the um, well, I think I mentioned this earlier, but he did say that this, the, he literally verbatim said the point of us low, or like softening the rate hike cycle is getting closer, you know. And it, it was interesting to hear him say that because he had not said that before um and also like in some of those questions people were man people were leaning on him pretty hard and there was a some of them he kind of he took a little while to, to gather himself before he answered because because <laughs> i mean look everybody if you if you live in our world and you pay attention to stuff you know what's going on you know the right questions to ask especially if you're one of those reporters sitting in that room at that press conference you know what to you know where the pain points are. You know exactly what to ask to put back him into a corner and be like, um, you know, because you because ideally all those guys in there, those reporters, they're trying to score some points. Yeah, they are making and, him look like a doofus. Yeah, but but he was holding his own and, uh, you know, very generic. I wish there was a little more bit more um, meat on the bone. But, you know, what, it is what one it other, is. One other little tidbit about and, and this is commentary that I've been reading and, and I think makes sense. One of the reasons why we know that we're close and that Jerome Powell hinted at being really close to the end of the rate rise cycle is now that they've raised interest rates by three quarters of a point to four to four and a quarter percent, we are now in the territory where the rate, the interest rate, the Fed funds future, Fed funds overnight rate is now at or very close to the 10-year treasury uh, yield. And and if you've yeah. been listening to the show for a while or you listened to us a few months ago, one of the key indicators of a recession is having the Fed funds rate higher than the 10-year treasury rate, um, other other interest rates. And we're, we're getting to that point now. And, and that's a very good indicator of not only an official recession, but I think it would be fair to say that an indicator that says they're getting to the point where they're going to have to stop raising rates. Um, it's not necessarily because they want to, but because they have to. Well, and it's it's interesting you're talking about that because we, I know we've mentioned that before, but you know one of the big headlines in this year has been that a yield curve inversion, 
but you know, like like you always say, the devil's in the details. What part of it is inverted, right? Because for for a while, the five and the two year were inverted from the ten year, but the three month and overnight rate were not. And and I think the one uh, Jerome Powell had mentioned previously was like three month rate, right? So so though, and you're right, those are creeping up. I think the three month rate actually inverted over. And I don't know if it's the ten year that they they paired with that commentary but it actually did invert but but you're right the fed funds rate has not gone over it yet but dude it's it's at four percent now right well they quoted in a range so it's 375 to four percent but the 10 year is let's see here probably right at four yeah 4059 yep yeah so um and it's it's crazy to think that we started the year at like 1.6 yeah, it was pretty low. <laughs> you know, and then and then 2021, we're at 0.9. I mean, the beginning in 2021, the, the 10 year was below 1%. Um, it's just, that's a big whipsaw. So, yeah. So, to help build us out that, build out that framework, uh, we still have ways to go. We're only eight months into a possible 12 to 18 month lag on the full effect of these interest rates. But so, and, and said today again, you know, they have a ways to go. The softening might come as soon as next meeting. But then again, it might not because they're still not at the level they want to be. And the way that they phrased that, what you and I were talking about earlier, too, is that they phrased it in a way where he said, well, we're not going to stop raising interest rates or cut them possibly by next meeting or into next year. We're just going to soften the rate hike right. amount. So basically, instead of 75 basis points, we might raise 50 or 25. And that's kind of what had been priced in previously for the December and February meetings. But they're still raising interest rates. I mean, it's not over yet, right? right. We are getting closer, but it's just not, not over. Party right. is not over. I think, too, one of the things that's going to make the determining factor between raising 50 basis points, 25 basis points, or even 75 basis points is what does the election look like? What does the you know, um, jobs numbers look like on Friday? And what does CPI look like for October yeah. Um, and and of course there'll there'll be some more data points between now and the next meeting in December. But you better believe they're going to be looking at those things. And if if any of those numbers come in real hot, uh, let's say for example CPI is um, instead of going down, it goes up. Well, that's no you know, uh, yeah, that's not going to be good. They're going to raise again seventy five basis points in December. Yeah. Um, now now is that ha likely to happen? Probably not. But I wouldn't be surprised at this point if you if you made us guess, they're probably going to raise 50 basis points in December. Wouldn't be surprised. And and I, I would also say too that they're going to raise rates again in next year, at the beginning of next year. Yeah, I would think so. It's just we don't have a lot of clarity, and there's a higher level of uncertainty than usual about where we're going to be by that that what is it, three three months three months something like that <laughs> four months almost yeah. So, um, okay, I think that's probably it for the for the interest rate part. Um, did you want to mention something about inflation in Europe? I heard an interesting statistic too. I was just going to piggyback off of what you told me this morning. Yeah, you know, one one of the things I think, as as we've mentioned too on the show, is the you know as, as crazy as things are here in this country, our friends in Europe are having a much worse time. Uh, the ECB just announced the day before yesterday that inflation has hit ten percent. Double digits. Double digits. And and you talk about have a fight on their hands. Those people, the European Central Bank, ouch. <laughs> uh, 
ouch, stop, no, keep doing it, no. <laughs> the uh, Central, European Central Bank is, is really, really, really suffering because they've, they have doing everything they can to uh, combat inflation, but because they're having such a troubled time with energy prices, it is really, really putting them um, in, a, in a really tight position. They don't have the flexibility to do the things that we can do. And so they're, they're way behind the curve, along with us, in, in terms of controlling inflation. So as bad as it is here, it's even worse over there. Okay. Yeah. And so to pile on top of that, and, and um, I just wanted to mention this in generality real quick, was I did hear an economist the other day kind of talk about how, um, I believe it was a cross-asset strategist, uh, possibly from Morgan Stanley's economic um, board there. Okay, so a lot of our debt here is wrapped into, held in a fixed mortgage, right? But apparently in Europe, a lot of the household debt over there is also mortgages, but variable. And typically it's five years before balloons. So if you get a lot of those come and do, um, ouch. But also because, you know, the, the rates there are not as high, right, as they are here yet. But that might also, so number one, that's, that can, that can co- possibly cause some pain for the consumers over there when they have to go refinance that uh, debt at a way higher interest rate, like maybe a way higher interest rate than they expected. That can cause its own problems, but also it might put some pressure on the BOE, the Bank of England, to maybe not raise interest rates as much as arguably what is needed to cool off their inflation, right? Because they do have a little bit looser job market or labor market, uh, and, and so their dynamics are a little bit different over there, but you can see that they're still fighting worse inflation than we are over yeah, here. Yeah, they've, yeah. they've got some serious problems over there. and. You've got to feel bad for some of those folks because, um, you know, the, the problems of their country is, is going to bleed out and cause problems for the citizens of that country. Yeah. Um, you know, government policy and monetary policy and fiscal policy that's all done, uh, you know, m- citizens don't really have a lot of say in some of that stuff. And it's just going to cause pain and problems for those people. It's a shame. Yeah. It really is. Um, what's there to do about it? Well, they should have never. Uh, I guess you can always Monday morning morning quarterback, but but they were very 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 reliant on Russian energy, and with the Russia Ukraine war, that that's obviously caused a problem yeah. for them, and they don't have access to the same energy supplies, and they they weren't diversified um, in in their energy supplies, so now they're 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 finding themselves in a pinch, but. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the, the the Russians are also in a painful situation, too. Not only are they getting slapped around like a redheaded stepchild in Ukraine, <laughs> but they're, uh, they're, they're also suffering, too, because their economy has been shut down uh, in terms of exports. And, of course, the only thing anybody wants from Russia is energy. It's the only thing they right. got that anybody wants. It may be. No one cares about that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not drinking that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. There was like a really big ban, like boycott thing about Russian vodka. Oh yeah. All yeah, that yeah, stuff yeah, came out. Yeah. I mean, it it's been what since February though now, so some of that stuff kind of, you know how it goes, right? Us humans, we love to things are just like right in the beginning, and then you give it a, a couple of months, and it just kind of trails off. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, you know, well, 
what do you what do you have to say about that situation? Like, do you think it? Because I feel just off my gut feeling from you know, because you and I come through a lot of headlines and read a lot of stuff. I feel like, like, make no mistake about it, the situation is just horrible. Okay, people are being have been massacred and they're dying. It's actual war, but you know, I feel like it's it's going to have to progress along some kind of line because because you know the rabid animal thing i don't know how close putin is to he's the rabid animal how close he is to actually being cornered yeah right um, do you feel like it's getting any better well, from you what know, you've the, been reading because i feel like it's been getting slightly better um but yeah well i think the thing that's gonna be in the headlines for the next few months in terms of the russia ukraine thing is the weather um for the winter we're, we're quickly approaching winter and you know in case most people don't recognize it or realize it um most of europe is way above the latitude longitude of the united states i guess what is it um latitude is up and down right longitude is no, i think um, it's the other way around is it is it okay. i think so well they're, they're way above us anyway. yeah 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 and so a little, they, little bit colder there they tend bit. to have more severe winters or, or they tend to have you know it's colder longer and and you know, uh, the weather has always been a very, very big deal for any armies fighting in Europe. Um, and so, so you know, once winter sets in, it's probably going to put a kibosh on a lot of that stuff. There's, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of movement. Um, but, you know, I think that means that the Russians are going to take that time to uh, regroup and uh, either dig in or resupply. Um, so the Ukrainians are doing everything they can to take take as much ground as they can before winter sets in. Yeah. Um, right, right now, of course, they're still in the fall season, but you know, from everything that I read, you know, it's it's already getting cold and, and it's um, very messy for them. Right. And so they uh, they're going to try to do what they can before the winter sets in, and then after that, they're both of them are probably just not going to be able to do a whole lot of anything. Right. I'll tell you what kind of worries me about that is just the fact that, okay, maybe if it's been long enough now that things might be running dry and, and therefore given the opportunity to feel like they're starting to improve and then maybe we get a stalemate type thing over the winter or whatever. But if Ukraine starts to turn the tide and really fight back, it's like, well, the idea that just that the entire like the war itself could end is not necessarily the the end positive point right because now what if what if the tides turn and yeah russia kind of falls out of the, the lead there ukraine's fighting back but then ukraine keeps pushing the envelope right it causes a whole nother slew of problems um so that i mean that that's the kind of that's the thing that kind of worries me about that situation over there but well i, I think the ukrainians know that they have a lot of international support but only up to a certain degree so so you know a lot of the supplies that were, especially the U.S. is giving them, or even NATO is giving them, a lot of times their their the equipment is given with a, a, a explicit string attached that says you're not going to use this stuff to attack Russia. Their actual Russian uh, land, um, and, and so the Ukrainians really aren't using that to attack Russia, which is a shame. But I understand why we're putting that string because if if we allow the Ukrainians to start attacking Russia and maybe trying to go around them and attack some of their more vulnerable border communities, 
you know, that, that would probably really set the Russians off and maybe would prompt them to use a tactical nuclear weapon. But right now, the Ukrainians, they're using all that equipment that we're giving them to fight to regain their own land. And so, you know, the, the Russians have to remember that winter isn't necessarily your friend because guess what the Ukrainians are going to do during the winter time? Yeah, take advantage of that. They're, they're exactly do the exact same thing the Russians are going to do. They're going to equip, they're going to prepare, they're going to train. And so when spring comes in, they're going to be able to hammer the Russians some more. And, and so the, the, the problem is that it's, a, it's going to turn into a stalemate again, but we'll, we'll see. Um, I think uh, part of the, the calculus for the Russians, too, is they're going to try to outlast uh, the Ukrainians by um, freezing them out for the winter and uh, by causing inflationary concerns in Europe. They're going to figure that maybe some political cracks will, will start chipping away at their support that they're getting from Europe and, and even the U.S. And the Russians think, well, you know, hell, we'll, we'll outlast you. Um, it, it's, it's hard to know what's going to happen, but I think the Ukrainians, um, they, they've already got the upper hand. They, they're not afraid. They're defending their homeland. and um, they're, they're getting a lot of experience. But, you know, they're, they're both going to use that downtime to rearm and re-equip and train and get ready for the spring. Strategize. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else? Anything right. else? We solved the Russia-Ukraine problem. Right we solved the world's problems. <laughs> the Fed. If Joan Powell just give us a call, man. I wanted to point this out real quick. There's an article just popped up 24 minutes ago. Wall Street Journal says Fed approves fourth 75 basis point rate hike. Hints at smaller rates. Hints at smaller heights, which is exactly what we were talking about with Jerome Powell's comment of, well, we are going to pivot. So like you and I have said, everybody mm -hmm. knows that it's coming. But he said it might be as soon as next meeting, or possibly February meeting. Um, but, you know, it, it doesn't really mean anything. Like, we all kind of know that. So yes. uh, that's yes. just kind of the media doing its thing right there. So we'll, we'll wait for the job numbers. We'll wait for the election. And we'll wait for CPI data. That's right. So Friday will be the next pain point, the next focal point for us. And I believe that will conclude us for today. We will be back here tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Thank you guys very much. See you tomorrow.